In the name of the one living God, amen. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Guess what today is? On the liturgical calendar, this is the first day of the Christian year, the beginning of Advent, when we find ourselves presented with these confusing and disturbing images of the end of time, the second coming of Christ. Aren't we supposed to be getting ready for Christ's birth rather than for his return. With all these images of signs in the sun, the moon and the stars and the waves and the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves, Jesus is speaking in words and images foreign to our whole way of thinking. And we have every right to ask, what can all of this mean? In a Peanuts comic strip, Linus and Lucy are standing at the window looking out at the rain falling. Lucy says to Linus, boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the earth? Linus, the resident biblical scholar of Peanuts, answers, oh, it will never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that would never happen again, and the sign of the promise is the rainbow. With a smile on her face, Lucy replies, Oh, Linus, you've taken a great load off my mind. To which Linus not surprisingly responds, Sound theology has a way of doing that. So sound theology, the teachings of scripture and the church, rightly understood, can take the load off our minds, but it can also put a load on us, the load of discipleship, of working, watching, for witnessing, and for waiting. As we get ready for the first coming of Christ, I wonder if Jesus isn't cautioning us to stand up and pay attention to the full extent of its meaning. Could it be that the message of Advent is not to get ready, but to live ready? Just like the disciples, we may naturally want to know exactly when this so-called second coming is going to happen. Jesus doesn't say when. The point of the passage isn't to read tea leaves and predict a date for the second coming. Jesus gives us an example, not of Noah, but of the fig tree. And using vivid, striking images, he lets us know that we are asking the wrong question. He makes it quite clear that the right question is, what are we going to do? How are we going to live while we are waiting? Life on earth for Christians is a life of waiting, waiting for the gospel to be fulfilled, for greater knowledge 
an awareness and experience of God's word breaking into our consciousness, waiting and ready to live in the world as God calls us to do. Jesus doesn't say, now, now, don't worry about anything, precisely because he doesn't call us to a do-nothing kind of waiting. His call is to be Advent people who are seriously concerned about peace and justice, about well-being of the poor and the disadvantaged, about just distribution of food and medicines among humankind, about the quality of human life, people who will work to make homes and schools and communities safe places to be, and who refuse to be seduced into the captivating trap of hatred, violence, and fear. Life on earth is a time of waiting, and yet how do we wait, especially now, in the lure of the shopping malls, when Christmas decorations have been up since before Halloween, and Santa appears the day after Thanksgiving. In four short weeks, we will be singing, all is calm and all is bright. But the lessons we hear today belie that scene. Peace and calm and bright will happen only with the transformation of swords and spears and tanks and automatic rifles, with the transformation of the human heart. The Advent lessons speak a lot about darkness and light. Advent begins in darkness because the world isn't calm and it isn't bright. Human and natural evil are all around us. International cruelty motivates many and fear abounds. There are bombings by terrorists in the name of God. Peace has been violated and is even non-existent in too many countries. High temperatures and drought are ruining agriculture. Thousands of men and women and children are forced to flee their homes of origin to find safety in other countries. And the gospel says, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. How many of us can ever forget the photograph of the tiny four-year-old little boy who fell from a lifeboat and whose little body was washed up upon the shore in the Middle East. When will we no longer have this picture? We want to mark our calendars and buy some time. There will always be tomorrow, some people believe. Tomorrow will surely be different. The hurricanes will dissipate. The administration will change. The border disputes will be settled. The homeless problem will disappear and the refugees will all go back where they came from. There's still time. Really? Throughout the 2,000 plus years that have passed since Luke wrote his gospel, 
The end times have been with us through history. And we've seen plenty of horrors, distress, and foreboding. No less is true in our own time. For those of us who live here, we may be currently immune to much of the great suffering that is occurring in our world at the moment, but no less should, should we be <clears throat> confronted by the sign of the times around us. So Advent says, if we're going to love someone, then tell them that they're special today. Tell someone their life has touched ours now. Don't wait to help someone till tomorrow. Whatever is deep within us that separates us from God, others, and ourselves, attend to it today. Don't put off life as if there were no tomorrow, because someday there won't be any tomorrow. And that's part of the mystery. There's a story that tells of a seeker who journeyed a great distance to meet with a renowned rabbi to have a long pondered question answered. Upon arrival, the aspirant gets right down to the point. Teacher, he says, why is it that script in scripture we're taught that God is love and yet so much of what I see in the world contradicts it? Wars, famine, disease, and death. The rabbi thought for a moment and then responded, Do I hear you saying that you could make a better creation than God? The seeker stammered, Well, I am, um, <clears throat> yeah, well, I suppose so. To which the rabbi said, So begin. Advent may begin in darkness, but it ends in light. And we occupy that twilight zone in between. The rabbi's response, so begin, perhaps means that on one hand, that we are to work as if there is no God. Get busy. Just do it now. Accomplish what we can for the recreation of the world. On the other hand, though, we know that our humanity alone can't create God's kingdom. We are co-creators with God. And we can only wake up and live consciously and creatively through a faith characterized by hope. To wait for Christ to come in his fullness is not just a passive thing, a pious, prayerful, churchy thing. On the contrary, to wait for Christ to come in his fullness is above all else to act in Christ's stead as fully as we know how. To be Christ to those who plainly need us to be Christ to them and to bring them the most we have of Christ's healing and hope. You see, Christ has no other arms but ours to do his work in the world. And Advent's most demanding and exciting challenge and promise is that God has a gift for us, the incarnation, God with us. We are not alone 
And that's the promise. When the present holds pain, tragedy, or suffering, and when the present is full of joy and peace, God sends the Christ to come to life in it. So the challenge of Advent is not to become so starry-eyed about the future that we can see nothing else, and yet also not to become so pessimistic or so devastated about the condition of life or the world around us that we become paralyzed or cynical and unable to see the light, thereby relinquishing our lives to despondence, but to grasp for the wholeness in the midst of chaos and to surrender to the eternal in the midst of the temporal. Don't become complacently relaxed. Become restless people expressed in restless concern and action about the church, about justice, about violence, about children, about war, as though there were no tomorrow. At times like this, our faith can really be a struggle. Advent is not a time of doom and gloom. The Christian faith, Christian life, is not a life of doom and gloom. Jesus Christ is not about doom and gloom. Advent is the season, the way of hope. And the call of the Christian life is to come alive, stand up, raise our heads and open our eyes and ears to respond to the condition of our brothers and sisters in the world and in this community with our time, our efforts, and our money, and to grow seeds in places where everyone else sees only impossibility. You see, Advent is life of faith and love and hope. And we continue to proclaim that mystery of our faith every single time we come to this Eucharist. Please say it with me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. When? That's the wrong question, says Jesus. The right question is how are we going to live until then? Amen.